Welcome to Forum Focus, the podcast construction forum. I'm Tom Finan, the executive director and co-founder of the forum. On Forum Focus, you'll hear the stories of stakeholders in the St. Louis region's built environment. They're working to create inclusive, robust employment and economic growth. Forum Focus is diverse, it's unbiased, and it's civil. Cedric Brandt's path to success with his excavating company, Brandt Contracting, has been anything but straightforward or overnight. It was marked by a lot of unusual turns, hard work, and great advice. After operating construction equipment in the military, he became a civilian operator, a role he served in for over 20 years. Along the way, he earned a cum laude bachelor's degree in information technology from Maryville University. Brandt was involved in other business interests leading up to starting Brandt Contracting in July 2007. Brandt recently graduated from the Regional Union Construction Center, known as the RUC, which serves as an incubator for women and minority-owned construction companies. The RUC sets up a board of advisors that include an attorney, a CPA, a construction business owner, and an insurance company. Let's listen to Cedric Brandt's story. You were in IT originally, weren't you? Well, I got a degree in IT. I've been an operator. I uh, started out out of the military, Army 82nd, and, and, uh, and got into uh heavy equipment with 513 back in 85 and and worked for Mill, worked for Banger Brothers now Millstone Weber for 10 years uh-huh. and then went uh, while I was there I started going back to school at night and on the weekends at Maryville and got my degree in IT and then got out for a while and worked in satellite operations and then came back uh, to uh, construction because of the IT bubble bust back then, and uh, okay, uh, uh, and along the way I started cleaning business, and I was doing that, and then came back out here in the field and went to work. Went back to work for Boyd Contracting, which they're out of business now, but uh, I worked for them for about fifteen years. But uh, but uh, so I did. I, I I went over to Castle. And uh, shortly after that, that's when uh, Mike Myers started asking me about uh, what I thought about having my own business, excavation business, and I wasn't thinking of doing that. And I just said, how? Didn't know. And so we set up in their office, him and Rich, and Rich Ledbetter, and talked about it. And, and, they, and that's when they uh, told me about a guy named Alan Richter. And, and that's when I called Alan Richter and he had me come in. He kind of interviewed me, kind of gave me some of my background, like I'm, like I'm giving you now. And, uh, and I just told him about my, uh, uh, time spent in the military and getting into the trade and, uh, getting into commercial cleaner business. I had picked up and learned QuickBooks all on my own, uh, self-taught there. And, uh, I think he was kind of impressed with that and said, well, I'll get back with you and see how about getting you in this program. So I think about a week or two later is when he 
called me up and said that I was accepted into the RUCC program. You know, they really uh, helped me understand and learn the business side of uh, being an excavating contractor. And uh, even though I was self-taught a little bit in QuickBooks, I, uh, you know, Bob Nagy was CFO of American, American Burglary Company down in Fenton, but he's a CPA by trade and he understands construction accounting. So we used to meet up quite a bit in the evening after he would get off work and started going through uh, my QuickBooks and teaching me certain things to look at and how to understand it. And that, that just, that just, you know, can't say enough about that. Uh, and then with Mike Perry on the board and JD with Greensfelder and Ralph McEwen with insurance, they've all just, me so, much. so I'm kind of surprised with, not surprised, I shouldn't put it that way, but I know Alan is very strict about what you have to have to get into Ruck in the first place. So I've heard of people that have spent a long time trying to get in and some of them never got in and you got in in two weeks. So you must have been on top of the numbers from very early in your business then. Well, I think, I think he was, he was impressed that I had had started a cleaning business and the fact that I had some financial statements to present to him that was fairly, <laughs> I mean, compared to what I do now, <laughs> you know, those were kind of like elementary compared to how they look now. But, uh, but it, you know, when you're, when you're self-taught, you just do what you think you know. <laughs> so, but, so whether it was right or wrong, I think that might have helped facilitate a decision to bring me in a little sooner than they normally would compared to some that might have started business but didn't have financials or they were just kind of doing it longhand. Who knows? I don't I don't know for sure, but not really not really knowing for sure how they came to decide, but I just know it wasn't long. They, you know, it might have been longer than two weeks, but I don't think it was. But I think it was fairly short order. I, I know it was within a month. So, uh, unless Alan says different, because my memory fades sometimes. So you're, so you're, uh, do you feel like your knowledge from having been in the field, one of the things that kills small contractors is not understanding what their overhead is, basically. Did, did being in the field help you with understanding mobilization and equipment costs? No, not not at all. When I came out of the field, all I knew how to do was dig a straight ditch with a with an excavator or a backhoe. <laughs> <laughs> so, who would you say your strongest mentor in that area? To understand uh, my my overhead and all that stuff. Well, that, right, that exactly. Was, what you were, what yeah. you were bidding, you know, you so you weren't just yeah. That, I would say the whole board taught me that. Probably, probably uh, Bob May okay. and, and, and Ralph and all the all of them in conjunction with each other. They all helped me understand, uh, you know, the back office end of things because, you know, at the time I got into it, I was still running equipment. And I was driving my little red Saturn truck with three five-gallon cans of diesel in a trunk, and probably wouldn't want to do that mm-hmm. today. But uh, uh, I had I had two jobs at that time: one at the airport, and one uh, down on 14th Street. And one of my trucks that I was digging and loading, the guy down at 14th Street on the high level ran out of fuel, 
or he was getting low, so I had to spend one of my trucks. I was paying eighty bucks an hour to to take him a five gallon can of fuel <laughs> and call the fuel company see where they're at. So by the time I had my next board meeting, I told them about that. They said, "Well, if you want to make, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to get off the machine. You're going to make your money out of the office." And it was a little leery because you know you're you're a field guy coming out of the field, and you know this whole back office stuff was you know. I would say not a hundred percent foreign to me because I had been in commercial cleaning business. So I understood some of the paperwork, how to bill and stuff like that, but certainly not to the extent that I have come to learn thanks to those guys. And they were never so right that coming off the machine and learning the business of being in business has served me well. Thanks to these guys. We'll hear more of Cedric Brandt's story after this. Tell me how you're doing. Dime como estas. COVID-19 caught everybody flat-footed, bringing our country to an economic halt. Even in construction, where we're considered essential, we are all walking on financial pins and needles. How do we pay our bills? Take care of our families? It's a constant grind. There are resources available. From juggling bills to help in building a strategy to make it through. For resources, go to tellmehowstl.com. You're listening to the story of Cedric Brandt of Brandt Contracting on Forum Focus. Hey, one of the things that kills smaller contractors and definitely uh, MWBEs is bidding, I would say, jobs that are too large or some of these public jobs, high-profile jobs, where suddenly you're under the gun at the end. How did, how did the people at Ruck and how did you personally avoid those pitfalls? Because, like, one of those jobs can put somebody out of business, basically. Well, I kind of learned, or I mean, a lot of stuff that I think the years of being out here in the field, I just kind of always looked at it as long as I was out there in the field working. Jobs rarely start out like they're supposed to because <laughs> you always have to do something that, well, we ain't supposed to do that. So get it. Here's a, don't do it. Or here's a ticket book and get the GC to sign an t- extra ticket on it. So all that experience that, that I had no idea back then what I was learning, how that translated into how it could help me today. Uh, and, uh, cause you just can't see in the future. So, so that experience along with, with, uh, Ruck saying, you know, be mindful of the type of jobs you get. Don't go after anything and everything. And, 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 and we had those conversations about, you know, sometimes contractors or, or GCs will dangle this million dollar job in front of a MBE, WBE. And if you don't know, you think you're going to make a million dollars. Well, no, you got to perform that work. And how do you know? Because they don't give you what they got in it. They, they're <laughs> really? taking their profit stuff out of it. And they're giving you the raw cost to do it. So, so thanks to Ruck, and especially thanks to Ron Weesey, who really helped me understand a lot about estimating, uh, explain these things to me. 
You know, I met Ron early on at Albarisi, uh, and he was he was never on my board. It was just someone that I had gotten to know, and I, I've never been shy about asking questions, whether right or wrong, silly or not, uh, because I understand that there is no silly question to ask, uh, and uh, and you just got to have the guts to ask it. And so I got to know Ron through through this whole process of trying to understand bidding because there's no school you can go to to learn how to bid dirt work. And, uh, you know, you get with uh, an estimator with one of these companies, you got to ask some questions. And, you know, okay, well, how, how do you know what cubic yardage? Because I literally didn't know any of this stuff. You know, I heard it out in the field. You know, we got to get X months. But I didn't, I didn't read, I didn't know how to, uh, uh, Re, you know, relate to it. You know, you just hear these terms on as an operator. So, and then a lot of when one guy, Fred Behrman, that used to work at Cosby Wagner, now works at Alvarezby. I asked, it, I asked him one time. I said, "How do you learn this stuff?" He goes, "Well, the guy, the old guy that was here before mm-hmm. me, taught me. There's no school you got to go. You go to learn how to bid dirt work. <laughs> it's, it's just knowledge is kind of passed mm-hmm. down. And uh, and uh, you know, you get with uh, an estimator with one of these companies, you got to ask them questions and you know, okay, well, how, how do you know right. what cubic yardage? Cause I literally didn't know any of this stuff. I mean, I heard it out in the field, you know, we got to get X, but I didn't, I didn't read, I didn't know how to, uh, uh, re, you know, relate to it. You know, you just hear these terms on as an operator. So, and then a lot of, when one guy, Fred Behrman, that used to work at Cosby Wagner, now works at Alvarezby, I asked asked him one time, I said, how do you learn this stuff? He goes, well, the guy, the old guy that was here before me taught me there's no school you got to go, you go to learn how to bid dirt work. It's it's just knowledge is kind of passed down. And when when I got started, I, I used to do a lot of time material work to get started because I didn't own a lot of equipment. And so Ron helped me. Ron showed me how to come up with time material rates, him and some other people. And so here, here's my hourly rate. You know, that way, if we do good, I'm here. If we don't do good, I'm not here. And I knew, I understood that and accepted it. What was the hardest lesson you learned in the last 13 years? Patience. <laughs> <laughs> and what what does that look like to you? What what? Where did you, was it because you were impatient and something well, bad happened? I, no, or I, th- just I, th- because I just you... think that's uh, part of my character is patient because Al always says, I don't know, he goes, you're a patient man. You're way patient, more patient than I am. I don't know how you do it, but <laughs> it's just that I think because, uh, I, I, you know, one of the things that I kind of learned from observing a manager of mine when I did get out of the trades for a while and got in satellite operations, he was very, uh, I, I saw how he had a lot of things always coming at him. And he always struck me as being very diplomatic in his response. He would never respond quickly for anything unless he had to. And uh, he, we had that conversation one time, and he told me that, you know, when I come here, I'm director so-and-so. But when I come, go home, I'm just dad. And these are the kind of lessons that you didn't know where it was going to take you one day in your thought process of how you're going to be if you had a business 
but you, 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 I remember these things and how to, how my demeanor's got to be when you're dealing with various types of personalities and, and this. And so these things that I just kind of draw back on my history as just growing up and becoming a man uh, has helped me be patient. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you. What, what's important to you? Uh, who's important in your life? What are your values? How do you, what drives you? Well, uh, you know, you always got to have, uh, you know, faith in God. I think, I think there is, uh, 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 something you have to look to that's beyond you as man. And then my family, you know, my wife drives me and, uh, uh, and just, uh, being able to take care of my family and be a good provider and, and, uh, 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 you know, uh, being generous to some of the less fortunate, which I've always been, even before I had a business, uh, uh, you know, those just trying to be an overall uh, stand-up person, I think. Yes, yeah, so our mission is uh, building social equity and economic growth in, in the region, and we're looking at that pipeline of young people coming into the industry. Uh, would you recommend construction to a young black man or woman? And if so, why and how? And if not, how do things need to change? Well, but yeah, I mean, I would recommend the construction industry because obviously it's done well for me. I think I think the construction, um, I might be biased towards dirt work, but I think dirt work is, a little, is probably a little tougher to make a living in than the other trades. Because as soon as it rains, you might be out of work, depending on what job you're on. And if it pours down like it has been the last couple of days, it, you don't necessarily go back to work the next two. Because even though it's sunny outside, things are still too wet. Or if I'm a laborer or a carpenter or pipefitter or whatever, they, they may be able to keep moving because they can move inside. Where we're strictly outdoors for the most part. Uh, uh I would think that would be the toughest, but I would I would recommend the industry as a because everybody's not cut out for college, and even though I went to college and got a degree, but I think a lot of what I learned just from uh, going to trade school through high school and understanding how to read a ruler and and hit a hammer, use a hammer without knocking my thumb off, all those things are important, and a lot of times. You go to college, yeah, you get a degree, but there's really no guarantee of a job. And I always look at a skill out here in the trades as something you can get that nobody can ever take away from. And 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 I'll use myself as an example that by starting out in the field in the trade, it had led me to a path to where I'm currently at today. So, what would you change about the industry that if if we're going to, I mean, the the people that are going to be coming into the industry are different from the people who have been traditionally in there. What do we need to change about the industry? Oh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, if it were easy, I wouldn't ask you. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I I mean, you know, if, you know, I would, I would, I you know, at one time I would have said be more accepting, acceptance. Of uh, of people of uh, 
color and women of any color, you know, because back when I got started, you know, and, you know, there, you know, I don't even know if they had goals or percentages on a job like they do now. So right or wrong, I made it. So I don't know if I'm the best person to say, well, they should have had it because I did okay. But that's because of the hard work that was instilled in me as a kid. But I just think be more acceptance. Okay. So uh, what question haven't I asked you that you thought you were going to be asked or that you'd like to speak to? Well, I didn't really know what to expect. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think, uh, no, I wouldn't start. I, I just think that, uh, you know, the, the trade, <clears throat> I think the trades is a good avenue for a young man or a woman of any race or color to get themselves into, show a lot of initiative to work hard. And you can learn a lot here. And one day you might be running your own contracting business. And I think there's a lot of value starting out on the ground because if one of my kids wanted to get into this, they surely wouldn't set up here next to me. They'd have to go out there and get the boots dirty. So they understand productivity. They understand how guys and crews work together, the different personalities, because it's all those things that has helped and shaped me to be able to operate from this side of the fence now or this side of the desk. Um, Quick question. Uh, so you, you're, you're lean and mean. How many folks do we have in the office? How many in the field full time? Well, it's just me and a young lady in the office. Her name's Kayla Ayers, and she does all my. She was hired in to do uh, uh, receptionist work, which she found that she was going to do more. She's doing accounting. She's got a degree in accounting, which she just graduated last year. But because it's just me and her in here, she finds herself doing a whole lot more than just accounting. And whether she realizes it or not at 25, she really is helping to learn how to run a business. And rough annual volume. Yeah, well, normally sales for me is somewhere around two and a half to three. Uh, I'm probably going to be approaching six this year if everything goes right which it seems to be. Well, I hope it will for you. Thanks for listening to the story of Cedric Grant. We hope you'll join us next time on Forum Focus for more stories of people who are helping to create inclusive, robust employment and economic growth in our region. I'm your host, Tom Finan.